Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. You're altogether lovely, my God. Yes, Lord, you are worthy. Oh, you're wonderful. Mm. Hallelujah. us, oh God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Had it not been for your grace, had it not been for your goodness, Lord, where would we be? Lord, you kept us from the danger, seen and unseen. You protected us, oh God. Lord, you guided us. You brought us through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, God, you taught us to fear no evil. You are with us. My God, your rod and your staff comforted us, my God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Your goodness endure it forever. Oh, hallelujah. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way in this nation, my God. Have your way among this people. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Teach us how. Teach us how to seek you. To seek your face. My heart said, Lord, thy face will I seek. Hey, not yourself from us, O God. Oh, we call on you. Build that fence, Lord. Build that fence around us. Oh, God, build it every day. Lord, we need your protection, your guidance. Oh, God, we worship you. We worship you, Lord, for you are worthy. You're worthy of the glory. You are worthy of the honor. My God, you're worthy of the praises. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. My soul says yes. Yes to you, O God. Mm. Hallelujah. Oh, fill us with your love, O God. Your goodness. Your wonderful works towards the children of men. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. Oh, we love your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My soul, my soul says yes. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this morning, thanking you again, O God, for this great grace, these tender mercies that you've bestowed upon us. 
Lord, how you kept us. Oh, God, hallelujah. You are the God that keepeth us. You kept Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Not a hair of their head was singed. Lord, you kept Daniel in the lion's den. And you released Peter from prison. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you. You've kept us, Lord. Even as we were made to sit and wait. Lord, we thank you for your keeping care. We thank you for your power. Oh, God, we thank you for your anointing. Lord, we pray for a nation, my God. We pray for the nations of the world. Lord, we pray for kings and leaders, presidents and prime ministers and all those that are in authority, my God. We pray for them so that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives. Lord, we pray for those whose job it is to respond in whatever way that they do. We pray for them. Father, remember us, O oh God, as we look into your word, because we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we thank you. We thank you again, O oh God. We thank you for your goodness. Oh, yes, Lord. And a pleasant good morning to you, you and you, Brother Brown here this morning. And it's good to be back. We are thanking God for another day. One that he has made for us to, to rejoice and be glad in. Today is Thursday, April 23rd, 2020. <laughs> and I am so thankful to God that he is all fit to have mercy upon us. He kept us. He kept us another day. This is the Master of Arts New Testament Letters program. And we are currently studying the book of Romans. Again, as I said, today's Thursday, it's when the third day of April 2020. And our topic for today, Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, it's very important that we understand that believing, believing, believing God, he that cometh unto God must first believe that he is and he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. And Abraham believed God. Who had believed our report? Every day we hear reports in the news of various, various occurrences. And uh, it's vitally important what you believe. Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Let's believe the Lord's report. In our introduction, we find regarding Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 48, it tells us that the council in Jerusalem was having a discussion about Jesus Christ and they said, John eleven forty eight, if we let him alone, all men will believe on him. Here's that word again, believe. If we let him alone, all men will believe on him, that is on Jesus, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. So the council in Jerusalem in the days of Jesus had three things before them. Jesus Christ, their positions, and their national aspirations. And they believed in their minds that because of Jesus and who he was, if the people believed on him, it would jeopardize their standing, their place. And by jeopardizing their place, their designs on the nation would be thwarted. They said, if we leave him alone, all men will believe on him and the Romans. That eminent threat. That eminent threat of force. 
the Romans shall come and take away both our place because they placed them there as clients, clients of Rome. Not only take away their place, but also their nation. So they made a decision that Jesus should die for the nation. In Acts chapter 14, we see here, as it relates to God, it says, Acts chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. So God, in times past, had suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good, and gave rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling the hearts with food and gladness. So just as uh, the chief priests and the council in Jerusalem had a vested interest in their position and in their nation. God, who created the heavens and the earth and all nations, had allowed those nations for a period of time to walk in their own ways. He sent prophets to the fathers in Israel. Jesus Christ came to his own. He came to Israel and he spoke and he taught them. But Jesus, God, had allowed the rest of nations to walk in their own ways in times past. Not leaving himself without a witness. As we continue in Acts, we see in chapter 16, verse 21, regarding Paul and Silas, that they were accused before magistrates, just like Jesus was, of teaching customs. Acts 16, 21, they were accused of teaching customs, which were not lawful for the Philippians to receive in their own words neither to observe them being Romans. So Paul and Silas had casted out of a young woman a spirit of divination. When her master saw that their hopes of gain was gone, they seized upon them and brought them before the magistrates. Paul and Silas was beaten openly, uncondemned, and cast into prison. Let's look at Acts chapter 16, verse 37. But Paul said unto them, when they came to release him privately, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now, do they thrust us out privily? No, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. So the Romans had that governmental power, they had the authority to impose and use force in various nations. Some people would lean on the fact that they were Romans and would avoid certain customs and teachings. And here, Paul and Silas used the fact that they were Romans and they were uncondemned and beaten and cast into prison. They would not just let people abused them. So the surgeons who heard these words, they went and they told the magistrates and they feared when they heard that Paul and Silas were Romans. Again, that threat, that force of the Roman authorities, the world government, yes, that threat would bring fear into different individuals just like it brought into the council of Jerusalem, just like it brought to the magistrates in Philippi, yes, that threat of Roman force was always there. Now, Paul in Acts chapter 19, verse 21, <clears throat> his desires express. So after he had done various things that he had hoped to accomplish, he purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So Paul began to set up his itinerary. He passed through Macedonia and Achaia, going to Jerusalem and expressing a desire to see Rome also. Paul wanted to preach and teach in Rome that he might impart some spiritual gift unto them, etc., and it was in his mind, his intention to do so. But our ways are not God's ways and our thoughts are not God's thoughts. We might envision one way while God have another in store for us. He said, 
I must see Rome also. So Paul's journey to Rome took place where he went to Jerusalem, was seized by the crowd, Lysias and the soldiers came and delivered him from the mob. He was put in chains, he was taken into the castle and was about to be examined by scourging. Then the centurion heard that he was a Roman and he went and told the chief captain, he says, hey, you be careful, take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Again, we see that force, that threat of Rome hovering, always hovering above the nations. The centurions, the Romans, they feared the authorities, the chief priests and those in the council at Jerusalem feared them. The magistrates in Philippi feared them. Yes, Rome created this aura of intimidation and force and they kept everything in order by their use of force. Now, while Paul was on his way to Rome, he was sailing a ship. The ship encountered turbulent weather. The seas became boisterous. And in the night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Paul had testified of the Lord in Jerusalem, not on his terms. Many times we want to do things on our terms. We would just love to have it be all daylight or nice, beautiful weather, 75 degrees. But there are times when night comes, when the cold comes. There are times things don't go our way, but we must testify of him in season out of season, we must be consistent in our testimony unto the Lord. So Paul found himself testifying of the Lord in Jerusalem in afflictions, afflicted, a prisoner of the Lord. And the Lord told him, thou must testify of me in Rome also. And he was on a ship caught in the crosswinds. A ship where two seas met, the ship was now there and things were out of their control, but everything is in the control of God. So in Acts chapter 28, Paul is now in Rome. And after three days, he called, Acts chapter 28, verse 17, after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, men and brethren, Though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So the Romans and the leadership in Israel had an understanding. They had a relationship. As I said, Israel was a client state of Rome. And Paul was delivered into the hands of the Romans, yet appealed unto Caesar. As we move towards our lesson this morning, we find in Romans chapter 1, verse 15, these words. Paul saying, So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach a gospel to you that are at Rome also. So Paul was stating his position, his readiness, his willingness, his ability, and his availability. He was willing, he was able, and available. So he said, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Yesterday in chapter 3, we spoke to you concerning the arguments that Paul was making Concerning even Israel and the Jews, what advantage was there to being a Jew? Much every way, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Here today, Paul continues his argument in chapter 4. The argument continues. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found? For if Abraham were justified by works... 
He hath we're of the glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So Paul continues his argument about the Jews and Abraham and the works that were done, the advantages of being a Jew and who Abraham was and what Abraham did. So Paul asked the question, what are we going to say about Abraham, our father, naturally, as pertaining to the flesh? That which he found naturally. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, he was our natural father. What did he find? The Bible says, for if Abraham were justified by what he did, he would have something to glory about naturally, but not before God who is spirit. He said, for what does the scripture say is? The scripture says that Abraham believed. Now, believing is exercising the faith that that which you don't even see exists, stands, and is ir irremovable, cannot be moved. Abraham believed God. He believed what God said, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You see, faith. We have to exercise our faith, faith toward Jesus Christ. Abraham believed God. And the fact that we are going to believe God, we are not going to be influenced by the things that are being dished out to us, pushed upon us, bombard us with these things that they want us to believe. We're not going to believe that. We are going to believe the word of God. And Abraham believed God who is able to do exceeding and abundant above all we can ask or think. He believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Righteousness is that which is necessary to move from mortal to immortality. One more time. Righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is that which is necessary to move from mortal, mortal, to immortality. And Abraham believed God and was counted unto him for righteousness. Now Paul stretched the argument out somewhat by saying, Now to him that worketh, now to the individual that knows the law and the requirements and the things that God asks, to him that worketh, is the reward, the goal, the prize reckoned to him that worketh. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, not freely deserved. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace. He is not receiving the unmerited favor of God. Well, listen to this, but of debt. He is paying just a little bit of what he owes. Now to him that says, well, I'm going to do what the law says and I'm going to do what the Bible says and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. It's about him. If you notice many times individuals will speak and if you count the words that they use, the preponderance of the words will be I, me, my, mine. It's all about them. They have a debt. To him that worketh. So they're trying to work. They're trying to do things. To him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, of the grace of Jesus Christ, but of debt. Because they are trying to prove how much they can repay God. But that is a failing situation. It failed. It's failing. And it will never succeed. The word then says, but to him that worketh not. But believe it on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And there is the other man that says, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner.
With a broken and a contrite heart, he goes before the Lord. Understanding his condition, that it's going to take the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's going to take something beyond he is capable to give for his restoration, for his justification. He then goes to God with that broken and a contrite heart, which God does not despise. And then God justified him because God cast all his sins in the sea of forgetfulness. But to him that worketh not, to him that's not trying to prove how great he is, what he's doing, and how much he can do, but believe on the Lord, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. But to him that worketh not, but believe it, faith. The substance of the things that you hope for, the evidence of things not seen, believe it on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. It's the faith of Jesus Christ. Paul continued the argument by looking at David. Here he says, Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Come at this blessedness <coughs> then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Now David, a man who knew the Lord, had a relationship with him, understood what it took to walk with God. David knew that in his flesh dwelleth no good thing, that there was a war going on, the war between the flesh and the spirit. David knew there was a battle for the mind. So David described the blessedness, the happiness, the joy of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. Because doing works is like running up a mountain. You run as hard as you can, but you get to a little point on the mountain and you become tired and fall back. They call it backsliding. So David described it, the blessedness, the joy, the happiness of that man unto whom God imputed righteousness without him trying to run up the mountain. That man trusts in God. He said, Lord, I have sinned. Father, I have sinned against thee. Father, I'm not even worthy to be called a son. But thy father, the Lord says, this my son, this my son was dead. Is now alive. He was lost in trespasses and sins, but now he is found. He is blessed. His iniquities are forgiven and his sins are covered. Put a robe on him, ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is that man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So there are individuals yes some of us we're happy we're joyful we are blessed because we understand that the lord is our righteousness the lord is our covering not of works not what we do but what the lord does so blessed is that man to whom the lord will not impute sin the lord is saying it is finished Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he casts our transgressions in the sea of forgetfulness. Then Paul asked, in a continuance of his argument, come at this blessedness then upon the circumcision only? Does this blessing come upon those who practice circumcision? Yes, they believe in God, but continue to practice circumcision. Or upon the uncircumcision also or does it also come upon those who believe God but yet remain in that natural state of not being circumcised he says for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness so Paul wants us to begin thinking begin to expand our minds that we might understand the breath of God's wisdom and knowledge 
he deals with the circumcision and the uncircumcision. The blessedness is brought to both. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Then he asked the question, how was it then reckoned? What, was the con what were the conditions that existed when Abraham received the blessedness of righteousness? How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? What was Abraham's condition when he believed God and was declared righteous? Was he a circumcised man or was he uncircumcised? How was it then reckoned? Was he in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. It was not Abraham doing those things that God required of him when you receive the justification, the blessedness of being declared righteous, but he was uncircumcised. He exercised faith in God. And then, and he received the sign of circumcision. It's like being baptized. You believe God, you're saved. Then Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though he be not circumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision. Again, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. So what do we have here? We have Abraham in uncircumcision, believing God, justified by God, being declared righteous. He then receives the sign, that covenant of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, you believe God. The Lord speaks to your heart. You believe him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So then you believe God, you are saved. Now, as a seal, a sign of the faith that you do have, you now repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Baptism do it not save you. You're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest some would boast. So Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And also he would be the father to them who are not of the circumcision only but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. So it is necessary that we walk in the faith, in the steps of Abraham, if we are also going to be engaged in the sign of the circumcision. So being baptized... Being baptized as an outward show, and if you lack that inner conviction, if you lack that belief, the baptism means nothing. Now, verse 13 tells us, For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. There is that promise. The promise that he, Abraham, is seed would be ear of the world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We see nations and people and different ones fighting for the control of this earth. There's a war going on. It's a war between the flesh and the spirit. It's a war between nations. Nations rising, rising against nations. Kingdom against kingdoms. There's a war of ideologies. There are different wars, cultural wars going on, all kind of wars, cyber war, hot wars, cold wars, all kind of fight. There was war in heaven, but we are a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a peculiar people. And that promise, 
The promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham, come on with me, or to his seed through the law. It was not through the rule of law. It was not through regulations and statutes and things like that. The promise was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham believed God and he received the promise and then the sign. Now, word tells us, For if they which are of the law be ears, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. We must understand. We must realize. Let's go back to that verse 14. For if they which are of the law be ears, faith is made void. And the promise made of none effect. Some say, oh, we're going to side with the Pharisees. Others say they're going to side with the Sadducees. And some the Herodians. So they would approach things from a legal aspect. Their training would be in the statutes and the legal issues and they would establish legislation the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians backed by their superpower, the Romans for if they, which are of the law, be ears now they're saying if we could just get everybody to become Pharisees the other side is saying if we could just get everybody to become Sadducees and the Herodians were saying, oh, if we could just have a kingdom and Rome backs me up. And for if they, which are of the law, be ears, faith is made void. And the promise made of none effect. So it's not through the law, nor legislation, nor statutes. Because the law worketh wrath. There are always two sides to the law. There's the other side. Because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. The law brings to light that which ought to be or ought not to be done. The law worketh wrath. It brings upon you the force of Rome or the anger of the other side or the graciousness of the side that is in control. Because the law worketh wrath. The law is not about peace and harmony. The law is about division and separation. Because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, when there is no statute, rule, or regulation, there's no transgression. Nothing erroneous occurred when there is nothing prohibiting it. The word says, therefore it is of faith. That it might be by grace. That promise. It comes through faith. That it might be by grace. To the end. The promise might be sure to all the seed. It is by faith. That it might be through the unmerited favor of God. To the end. The promise might be sure. Secure. Resting on a solid foundation. Sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law. Not only to those of that first covenant. But to that also which is of the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all. So it covers both sides. It makes of twain one new man. In Christ Jesus. As it is written. I have made thee a father of many nations. One more time. As it is written. I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So God is breaking down the middle wall of partition and building, making of twain, one new man in Christ Jesus. The seed that should come. And then the word says, Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now, there are times when situations, circumstances appear dire, desolate, without resolution. But who, that is Abraham, against hope when there is nothing to hold on to, he believed in hope. There abided three, faith, 
hope and charity, these three, the greatest of these is charity, but if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So Abraham, against hope, when things didn't look rosy, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. No children, his body dead, Sarah, old. Let me jump right there. The word says, and be not weak in faith. Be not weak in faith, not filled with fear. Not focused on what he was being shown on a daily basis. The same tape being played over and over and over again. Not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. A lot of times we fall into situations because we take into consideration our physical shape, our own bodies, our natural bodies. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's whom he was given a promise. So he, against hope, believed in hope that he might become a father. He might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. He believed the report of God. We need to focus our minds and our attentions, our hearts, Upon the words of God that we might have hope. We might believe in him because he said now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his exceeding glory with power and great joy to the only wise God be glory, majesty, dominion and power. To him be glory, majesty, dominion and power. Now and forever. Abraham against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. Stand on the word. Stand on that sure foundation. And be not weak in faith. He was not being weak in faith. He didn't consider his situation, his body, his condition, he was about a hundred years old. Neither did he consider his wife's circumstances. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Many are intimidated and have become fearful because they bombard themselves with the things that are being pushed and promoted and plied upon them. But Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he got at promise, he was able to perform also. It is important and vital that we stand secure in the promises of God. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Don't let folk wear you down with images and words and things like that. Because it wears down your mind and your spirit. It causes you to worry and be filled with fear. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed unto Abraham for righteousness. Let your righteousness be in the fact that you believe God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. In closing, now, it was not written for his sake alone. It was not written for Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. One more time. Now, these words, these sayings were not written for Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed to him. But for us also, it is imputed to us also. Yes, the womb shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Why? He was delivered for our offenses. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification? Jesus Christ. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might inherit the righteousness of God that was in him. Let us pray.
Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you this morning thanking you, O oh God, that we have believed you. We trust in you. We hope in you. We are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. We're going to continue to believe in the Lord. We're going to continue to trust in him. And we are going to accept the fact that we are ministers of reconciliation. You see, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. All of us are ministers of reconciliation. So I'm going to step away from here. Because there's only one great high priest, Jesus Christ, that you might approach a throne for yourself and you will find help in a time of trouble. God bless you in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Come on home, beloved. Come on home, won't you? Won't you please, please come home? Hey, Liv, come on. Okay. You do? I'm 35. It's cold, though. It's cold? I'm 35. So what are we going to do? Huh? I'm going to go for a couple of minutes to cold. Still cold? Yeah. 35 degrees cold. No, you got to be careful. No, I get sick. No sick. Get some tea. Really, say you got to move this truck. Running on? No, I need to give him a little time when he come back. Yeah. He's back. No, it was there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you give him a certain time to move the truck. I'm telling you, he still got it there. Don't worry, so I'm going again. Yeah, I give him till Monday, right? Mm -hmm. When are you going to drop off those stuff for that? Anytime you're ready to leave. Yes, I can just sit there. Anytime you're ready to leave. I guess you're going to bang. Huh? And then you're going to bang. The bank? Yeah. I just want to check. I yeah, see. I know. Yeah. So we'll just do the tour while we're mm -hmm. out. But then when I need to come back out again. So we got to come back before 12 o'clock. So yeah. are we going to go before or after 12? Before. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I think I'm gonna bend and get something from outside. Not a problem. I need you deserve it, outside. sweetheart. Seriously, you I'm deserve so it. Tired of the sea. You deserve it. I did good. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you go, oh, I'm gonna take off Wednesday. I'm gonna make your life miserable. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, I did good. I, I, I <laughs> oh, you didn't run out last night. I'm gonna do. Yeah. 